I'm going to continue the, the look at 1 John and begin with uh, continuing the story of me uh, from the last one. Uh, I had an older brother, eight years older than me, and an older sister, three years older. Uh, they both were diabetic. Uh, my sister was uh, diagnosed when she was about two and a half, and my brother when he was, I guess, around 14. Uh, and they both pretty much did everything you shouldn't do as a diabetic. Uh, my sister used to give me money and send me up the street or up the road to um, this couple had this little store and gas station and buy candy for her. Uh, but at the same time, uh, my parents didn't really do her any good by buying her, you know, these foot and a half tall uh, chocolate Easter bunnies and stuff like that uh, to, to keep her the way she should go. I just, I remember my father chasing her around the house with a syringe trying to give her insulin. Um, when I was probably like in first grade, maybe second grade, uh, I'd steal some of my parents' cigarettes and meet these friends of mine up underneath the, the railroad bridge and uh, thought we were pretty cool. Uh, we used to play in this neighbor's barn up in the haymow until we got caught and he'd um, holler at us and kick us out. Um, there was an old couple, kind of kitty corner, catty corner, depending on where you're from, uh, from us. <clears throat> uh, and I believe they were from Hungary. Uh, they, they both spoke very good English, but uh, this older couple, they had at least one uh, daughter that I don't ever remember her being there. Um, but they always had a couple of cows and Mike could milk the cows by hand. And um, so I'd go over and just kind of fool around in the barn and uh, go inside and, and see uh, Eva, Mrs. White. And it seemed like she, every time I went in, she was baking bread, you know, it was, and it was just coming out of the oven. And so I'd have some warm milk and some warm bread with butter on it. Uh, I remember Mike walking his cow up the road to be bread. Um, and he said one time about the artificial insemination was becoming popular. And he says, oh, he says, I pity the man at the bull catch him. Um, but uh, used to play kick the can and hide the seek, hide and seek. Um, lived right next to uh, the railroad tracks. And the winter, or winter, in the summer, I'd sleep outside. Uh, I'd use a blanket for a tent. I remember getting drenched and took my teddy bear inside and uh, put him in the washing machine, put it on the spin cycle. And I'm standing there watching Teddy going around and around and all of a sudden the lightning hit someplace and I felt that go hit me like in the calves and just travel right through my body. And I think that's where I got my curly hair from, I'm not sure. But I used to ride my bike everywhere. Uh, I mean, from the time I was about 10 years old uh, my grandmother lived up the road a little ways, and, and I'd go up and, and see her. Um, you know, when I was 10 years old, I was mowing our lawn. Remember when we finally got a riding lawnmower, I mowed the lawn, and there was a rock right there. And so I reached down to get that rock, and I stuck my hand into the grass chute and cut the end of my thumb. 
Um, we had a little garden that uh, was down the little embankment from our house. And, um, you know, something was getting into the garden, so I put a rabbit trap down there. I caught a skunk. So that was kind of the end of that. Uh, every year in the spring, I would sell seeds. I'd go to the neighbors and have these different vegetables and flower seed packets and and sell them for like 10 cents and uh, put the money probably into candy. Uh, I remember one time I sent 50 cents to Kellogg's for a rocket. I never got that thing, man. I don't know what was up with that. I'm still waiting to see if it comes. And I had a chemistry set and I was always trying to build something that would blow up or catch on fire. Uh, I remember when I was about sixth grade, there was a, a plane crash. This family had a, a small, like four passenger plane and it went to take off and got caught on a fence at the end of the, the runway. And um, a girl that was in my class, her and her sister both died, just burned. Uh, and her father and uncle both died later on. But that was the last planes to fly out of that airport. So now let's get to something more serious and let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks that you give us some memories that we have of our lives, uh, good and bad and indifferent. And Lord, uh, just help us to remember the most important things. And that's, of course, our relationship with Jesus. But Lord, help us to remember too uh, the the words that you give us. Lord, uh, at my age, it's easy to say I'm too old to memorize scripture. But Lord, help me to remember the things that I need to remember. Um, and hold them in my heart so they'll be there when I need them. So, Lord, as we look at your word now, Father, I just ask for your blessing on us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as I continue in First John, we'll see that it's kind of a continuation uh, of the first chapter. Uh, in, in verses 2 and 3, John talks about the sin in our lives. Uh, in the New Living Translation, it says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. But if anyone does sin, oh, that's pretty much a no-brainer, John. Okay, I mean, we're all doing it, okay, unfortunately. So we all know that we all sin, sometimes unknowingly and sometimes not, sometimes intentionally. And sometimes the sin that we commit is, you know, a sin that's just involving us, something that we do wrong, or sometimes... We sin against someone else, you know, hurting somebody, you know, in some way, physically, emotionally, um, however it may be, or whatever we may possibly do. But no matter what that sin is, it's always against God. And you and I know that it's it's just going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen over and over. So it's a good thing 
No, it's a, a great thing that we have the advocate. Greek for advocate is parakleos, means comforter or intercessor, an advocate or a consoler. You know, often we see people portray this as a court scene, you know, where God is the judge. And you and I, we, we are the accused, and Jesus is the advocate, the intercessor, the public defender. And when God judges you and I as guilty, Jesus steps in and takes that punishment because we are guilty. And he did take our punishment because he took our punishment on the cross. In verse 2, John said, Jesus is the sacrifice. Jesus is the sacrifice once and for all. Like the writer of Hebrews tells us in 1010, it says, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. No more sacrificing animals at the altar to have our sins forgiven. Like the song says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Well, in verses 3 and 4, John tells us this. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. We all sometimes struggle with what we know God wants us to be doing and not doing. I don't think that's what John's referring to. I think he's talking about those that are consistently going against God's commands, living their lives for the world and not for him. Jesus put it very plainly in John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. You know, just really can't make it much clearer than that, can you, Jesus? In the next verse, he says, I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. Now, this is the advocate that I just spoke about in verse 1. The advocate is available to those who believe and obey. Verses 5 and 6 says, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Well, this is where we press on towards the goal. Okay, because try as we may, no one, no one, no one, will successfully live their life as Jesus did. But we're to try. The closer we get to the Lord through reading his word, the more we become like him. You know, if, if I wanted to become a brain surgeon, I need to read more, study more, and have practiced. And the closer I would get to becoming a great brain surgeon or anything else that I wanted to do. It's the same with being a faithful Christian. But remember this, 
Jesus is to be our example, our model. Certainly not me. We're not to model ourselves after Billy Graham. He's a great man, but that's not who we're supposed to be modeling ourselves after. And we're not supposed to be modeling ourselves after, you know, Reverend, Doctor, whoever, or anybody else. You know, if I were going to make 12 wooden candle holders, all the same, I would use number one as my model for each one. I wouldn't, you know, take number one and use that as a model for number two, and then use number two and make that a model for number three, and then use number three and make that a model for number four, etc. Because if I did, by the time I got done, number one and number 12 would not be the same. Okay, because just a little flaw in each one along the way, and that flaw just keeps getting multiplied and multiplied, and at the end, it's different. Same thing if I'm striving to become perfect, as Jesus is perfect. He, and he alone, is my model. Verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you've had from the very beginning. This old commandment, to love one another, is the same message you heard before, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you are also living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. Have you heard this before? The old new commandment? And if you've read John 13, 34 and 35, where Jesus said, now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You know, like the song says, we're one in the spirit, we are one in the Lord. We pray that all unity will one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. That's what Jesus had in mind when he gave this new commandment. Like the other verses of the song say, we will walk with each other, we'll walk hand in hand, we'll work with each other, we'll work side by side. Those are the things that are expected of Christ's followers. Verses 9 through 11. If anyone claims, I'm living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. Light equals Jesus and his ways. Darkness equals the world and its ways. If we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have the Holy Spirit 
living in us and we possess his light because of that. We are told in 1 John 1, 5, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So if God is living in us through the Holy Spirit, there can be no darkness in us. There's no combination of darkness and light. Okay, now you may argue, you know, there's dusk and there's dawn when it's kind of light and it's kind of dark. You know, it's been light out all day and it's just starting to get dark. Or, you know, it's been dark all night and the sun is just starting to come up and, you know, it's not even showing yet, but, you know, you can see the light coming up from it. Well, I'm talking about our spirit, not the time of day. Okay, in verse 9, it says, If anyone claims I'm living in the light but hates his fellow believer, that person is still living in the darkness. True statement. You cannot hate another believer and love God. Okay, you can't have light and darkness both living in you. You cannot hate another person because of their skin color, because they maybe speak with an accent or their nationality is different than yours, or their sexual preference is different than yours. You can't hate another person because of their stand on abortion, or because they go to a different church than you do, or believe a little bit differently than you do. Because this is judging, and that's just not our job. The following verses of 1 John 2 stresses this point. Verses 12 and 13, where John says, I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I am writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. Verse 14 emphasizes that even more. Okay, verse 15 to 17. These are warnings that were given. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers. For when you love this world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and our pride in our achievements and our possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. How true, how very true that is. Just flip through the TV channels, commercials and programs, scroll through social media, listen to popular music, Look at the magazines. The world is selling us trash and people are eating it up. You can't get enough. But not you, you child of God. You, you are different. John wrote this in his last years. He'd lived his life for the Lord and he knew his time was short. You know, he was listening for the, the blasting of the trumpet of warning. And these next verses tell what was really on John's heart. Verses 18 and 19. It says, Dear children, 
The last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. But this we know, that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged to us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong to us. Does this sound like John wrote it like today? It kind of sounds like it to me. Well, hopefully, verses 20 to 23 are written to you. But you're not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I am writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. Who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son and that the Son is an Antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son does not have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son as the Father also. Like I've said, John was writing to believers. If non-believers read this, you know, it sounds like they're getting weeded out. The true believers were better able to see who really believed. John was being rather forceful in his writing because he knew what believers faced. And he goes on in the same way in verses 24 to 27. He says, So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he has promised us. I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as he taught you, Remain in fellowship with Christ. In this John's warning believers to be careful of who they get their teachings from. He's not saying that no one should be teaching them. He's just saying that they need to be wary of who is teaching them. Rely on the Holy Spirit above all else. Let him remind you of what you've already learned. John speaks to a need that we have as followers in Christ in verses 28 and 29. It says, And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do not, excuse me, that all who do right are God's children. In these final verses, John is encouraging believers to rely also on each other. You know, we worship at a large church. There's five services every weekend and several hundred people in every worship service. Part of my serving is to encourage people to become 
part of a small group, a life group. You know, and Jesus modeled that for us, you know, with the 12 disciples, because there was a lot more followers. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of Christians believe that it was just Jesus and the 12 disciples that kind of went around from place to place and all. But no, there was a whole lot more. But these 12, they were Jesus's small group. They were Jesus's life group. So it's easier to remain in fellowship with Christ in a group of eight to 10 to 12 people than it is with hundreds of people. So I'm not saying be part of a small group and forget worshiping with the whole body. And John's not saying that either. But what he is saying is know who you're in fellowship with. Get to know their hearts. Be sure that you're following the Holy Spirit's leading and not their own gospel. John starts out the chapter with, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. And he ends the chapter with, since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. It's all about keeping sin out of our lives, like Christ. As we continue to work on that problem, we get closer to the Lord. And the closer that we get to him, the more that we want to please him. Let me share the words from another song. It says, I'm weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to thee. Through this world of toil and snares, if I falter, Lord, who cares? Who with me my burden shares? None but thee, dear Lord, none but thee. When my feeble life is o'er, time for me will be no more. Guide me gently, safely o'er, to thy kingdom shore, to thy shore. Just a closer walk with thee. Grant it, Jesus, is my plea. Daily walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for your word and how it's timeless because the words were written hundreds of years ago that it means so much to us today and is there to, to guide our lives. And Lord, I know my brothers and sisters know that, they believe that. But Lord, help us to, to get into the Word, to learn more of what it is that you have for us to learn. And there's so much, so much more that we need than what we already have. So Lord, help us all to make it a priority to come closer to you. And when we come closer to you, we come more like you. And if there's anyone listening to this that, that doesn't know you, that, Lord, help them to know that a relationship with you is available to anyone and everyone, that no one has sinned too many times, nobody has sinned those great big sins that can't be forgiven, because, Lord, you forgive the, what we call the maybe small sins, and you forgive what we would look at as the huge sins and everything in between. And whether there's one sin or there's a billion sins, that, Lord, you forgive them all. So, Father, help that person to know that they need to pray like this. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for forgiving me. 
You showed me your forgiveness through sending your son, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for my sins. But he rose from the dead and he's coming back again. And if I believe in him, I'll have that new life for eternity, that life with you, the, the promise that I know will never be broken. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.